Hey, we had a great time yesterday with the uh, Kids Place families at Incredible Family Day. Got to see the second uh, incredible movie, uh, although the first one is a classic. Uh, glad you're here today. My name's Weston, if you're visiting with us. And we're in the middle of a series called Incredibles, Living with God's Superpowers. Last week, we talked about the incredible superpower that marriage is. And today, we're going to talk about the incredible superpower that being single is. And it's something we don't talk a lot about in church, or at least maybe we should say the Protestant church talking about singleness. But it's definitely something that, that Scripture and, and the, the early church and God says, you know, this is a really good thing. Now, now here's the deal. I'll just admit, uh, I'm not an expert on singleness. I got married when I was 21, and, uh, you know, but I wouldn't claim to be a marriage expert either. But um, so this morning, what we're going to try to do is really look at what Scripture has to say about singleness. Uh, Because Paul is writing to a group of people who are really trying to faithfully live out their faith in these different marital states, whether they're married or whether they're single. And he's going to lift up both of these and say, you know, these are good ways of living. He's going to talk to the married folks like we looked at last week. He's going to hold up marriage and say, marriage is a really great thing. It's a really great way to live. And then he's going to come now in the text we're going to look at today and he's going to hold up singleness. He's going to say single. Being single is a really great way to live. And one of the reasons Paul will say being single is a really great way to live is, is he'll say, well, let's look at the text. He says it this way. He says, I don't want you to have anything to worry about. Now, Paul's a single guy. And he says a single man is concerned about the Lord's matters. He wants to know how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the matters of this world. He wants to know how he can please his wife. His concerns pull him in two directions. Now now notice, these two directions, it's not, you know, one's good and one's bad. He's just saying there's conflicting values. You know, Frozone, he needs to save the city. You know, his wife, she needs him to save the evening. You know, there's, there's conflicting values. They're both good. They're just pulling in different directions. That's what Paul's talking about. He says sometimes in marriage, there's, you know, a confliction of two really good things. And he says, if you're single, you have this capacity to to really maybe dig in deep and say, you know, this is kind of just what what I could do just for God, maybe in my own unique and special way. And and that's sort of the, the overarching theme of Paul's thought on singleness, is that it's a spiritual gift, that that's a spiritual gift from God to be used for his glory and for our good. So if you're single, you might say it this way, you know, singleness is a spiritual gift from God to be used for God's glory and my good. In other words, God wants to do something with you, and God wants to do something through you and your singleness. That's that's the message of Scripture. Uh, Paul is going to recommend singleness. He's going to say this might even be a, a way of life that allows a little bit better focus, a better focus of time and energy in serving God. It's something that the early church borrowed from uh, ancient Judaism. And it's something that we know, just kind of historically speaking, that around 200 AD, the early church had really adopted and had even brought in, uh, sort of created two, what we might think of as offices inside of the church. One of the offices named was widow. Uh, Some gals in the church who had uh, lost their husbands, uh, they sort of took on this title of being widow. And then others who had never been married took on this title of of being a young woman or virgin is the way that that word's translated. And it seems that really early on in the church, these people had dedicated themselves to a life of singleness, that they had said, we're not going to get married, and what we're going to do is we're going to dedicate our lives 
and our energies to serving God and to serving the church. Now, I'm not asking anybody here today to make a lifetime commitment of singleness. As a matter of fact, I don't know that I think that's a good idea because you don't know what the future holds, and and that's a a pretty big uh, claim and commitment to make. But what I am saying is this, is that we need to make the most of every moment and, and not view any place that we are, whether that's single or married, as something that you're going through until you get to something better. Paul says, use this place where you're at right now. Use this gift of singleness that you have. Uh, According to the U.S. Department of Labor, uh, they gave a bunch of people uh, cards to fill out as to how much time they used, you know, between work and dishes and family and and driving and commuting and all those kinds of things. And, And when they tallied up all the scores, they found that single people had an hour and 16 minutes of extra me time every day. And as I think about that much extra me time, I think, you know, Paul would say, why don't you turn that me time into God time? Use that as time that you can give to God, whether that's through prayer or through service or or building really good, deep friendships that encourage you in your faith and that allow you to encourage other people in their faith. Because here's the truth. And and whether you're single or whether you're married this morning, this is a truth that we, we affirm in the church. That God can use anything, any situation, any life circumstance, any place where we are, He can use it for our good. Romans 8.28 says it this way. It says, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So let's just let that sink in for a second. God can use all things. Now, I'm a believer that God doesn't cause all things. Sometimes really bad things happen to us, and And God didn't send that, but he can use that. God can use all things for the good of those who love God. I heard a sermon not that long ago, and the guy that was preaching, he was saying, you know, listen, often in life, we find ourselves fighting against the things that God wants to use in our life. That often we find ourselves fighting against the things that God wants to use to to bring some changes inside of us. And instead of sort of embracing the moment, embracing the place where we are, we fight it. Now, let's, let's illustrate this. Let's make this um, a little more tangible. Uh, so let's say you've got plans for today or maybe tomorrow. You've got your day scheduled out. Maybe, maybe on Monday you've got a list of things that have to get done. And you've got a list of appointments that you're going to make sure that you make those appointments. And you've got a list of objectives and things that have to get done by the end of the day. Now, like most people's lives, your life doesn't always kind of work out the way that you might plan it. You know, things, things come up, and, and, you know, you get an unexpected phone call. Somebody stops by. You, you have things that interrupt your plans. Now, one way to approach this would be to say, you know what? It is as it should be. And that's kind of the message, is instead of fighting God and things that are going on, we say, it is as it should be. And we sort of accept that what it is, it is as it should be, and we embrace that and we say, all right, there's something here for me. This interruption is not an inter- interruption, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for me to hear something new from God, to hear something new that's going on in this person's life. It's an opportunity for me to make a, a new connection, a relationship, a friendship. That's an opportunity. It is as it should be. That's option one. Option two is the option I prefer. 
And it goes something like this. Wait a second. That's not what I had planned. Let's get through this fast. Let's do this quickly. And you can be grumpy about it. I like, I like that option. That's a good option. You can fight it. You can be frustrated. You can resist it. You can be a grouch. And at the end of the day, you can say, I didn't get anything done that I had planned. And the other person has embraced and said, it is as it should be. And guess who's heard more from God during that day? It's option one person. It is as it should be. So often in our lives, we fight the place where we are. We fight the things that are coming to us. And instead of saying it is as it should be, we say it's not like I wanted it to be. And we try to change it and manipulate it and fix it when what God is trying to do is do something in that moment. And I think singleness in a lot of ways can be this. A lot of people don't view singleness as a gift. They view it as a curse. And it's not, you know, sort of a destination, but it's a transition phase. And, and what they're saying is I want to be someplace else instead of saying it is as it should be. And embracing this moment, embracing this time, and saying, God, what is it that you have for me? I think the church has, has frustrated this. You know, a lot of churches, they have singles classes, and, and that's what we do. We put all the singles together in a class. It's sort of a holding pattern for everybody that hadn't grown up to get married just yet. And we just say, all right, well, once you finally get together and you meet each other and you get married, then we'll let you out of the singles class and we'll let you into the general population. I, I don't think that that's right. I think what God is saying is, listen, it is as it should be. It's good for you to, to be as you are right now. Embrace that. Learn from that. And the other thing is, if we can be at peace in this place, I think we're not in a hurry to go someplace else. Uh, marriage can be challenging. You don't want to rush into it. And if you're content in singleness, you won't rush. You'll be happy with who you are. You'll be happy with where you are. So you can take your time to make the right decisions regarding marriage. That's easy for me, a guy that's been married, to, to say that. But how about this? John Stott, single man, single for his whole life, 90 years this guy was single. Uh, he tried to, he attempted to get married twice. He said it didn't work out. And as he reflected on his singleness, his lifetime of singleness, he wrote about this a little bit later in his life. He said this. He said, don't be in too great a hurry to get married. We human beings do not reach maturity until we're about 25. To marry before this runs the risk of finding yourself at 25, married to somebody who was a very different person at the age of 20. So be patient. Pray daily that God will guide you to your life partner or show you if he wants you to remain single. Second, lead a normal social life. Develop many friendships. Third, if God calls you to singleness, don't fight it. Remember the key text. Each person has his or her own gift of God's grace. Uh, one other quote, I like this one. John Piper says this. He says, Never to have married is not a tragedy. Otherwise, Jesus' life is a tragedy. Tragedy is craving the perfect marriage so much that we make a God out of being married. Marriage is but for a moment. Jesus is for eternity. How we live in our marriages and our singleness will show if God is our supreme treasure. Uh, these are good words for us to hear, to, to take time and to value where we are. Paul will say it this way. He'll say, times are hard for you right now. So I think it's good for you to stay as you are. Are you married? Then don't get a divorce. Are you single? Then don't look for a wife. But if you get married, you've not sinned. And if a virgin gets married, she's not sinned. But those who get married will have many troubles in this life. I want to save you from that. Brothers and sisters, what I mean is the time is short. I want to pause for a second because Paul, when he says the time is short, he means the time is short. And Paul had this idea. And I think it's important we all grasp this because I think we miss some of the power of this text unless we understand Paul's mindset. Paul had this idea that Jesus was coming back like today. Like Jesus, before you go to bed tonight, Jesus will return. That was Paul's just 
firm, burning belief that he just had. He believed Jesus is coming back today. And if Jesus isn't coming back today, he's coming back tomorrow. And if he's not coming back tomorrow, we're not going to be here next Sunday, friends, because Jesus is going to be definitely back before the end of the week. This was Paul's belief. He believed Jesus was coming back so soon. And so Paul, it affects his teaching on many things, on marriage, on singleness, even slavery. Some people will say Paul was pro-slavery. He wasn't pro-slavery. He just was saying, listen, in, a, in, in five days' time, everybody is going to be set free. So why are you going to fight to get some freedom now when what you could do is you could use this time to build relationships and to help other people meet Jesus Christ? That's the same thing he's saying to to the single folks. He's saying, listen, you you think you want to get married, but guess what? Jesus is coming back on Friday, so there's no sense in, you know, going to the trouble to plan and hire a hall and get a band and a photographer and and cake and all this stuff. You might as well just stay single for five days because Jesus is coming back. And you just sort of embrace that and you, you reach as many people as you can for Jesus. That was Paul's mentality. And he is, I mean, he's intense. Yet this intensity that Paul had it let him kind of relax in some areas. I know that sounds weird, but because Jesus was coming back, Paul could say, you know what, it is as it should be. It's maybe not as I would prefer. It's maybe not what I would want, but it is as it should be, and I can embrace this time, and I can use it and make the most of it for God. And I wonder, what would we do if we really lived a life with this firm belief that Christ was coming back soon? I think we'd be a little more quick to say, this is as it should be, and we could embrace it, and we could live in that moment. Because who you are and where you are right now is a special blessing for this moment. That's true for everybody. Who you are and where you are right now is a special blessing for this moment. Uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 7, 7. He says, sometimes I wish everyone were single like me. In other words, Paul says, man, my life is great, a simpler life in every way. He says, but celibacy, it's not for everybody. Any more than marriages, God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others. Paul's not alone. Jesus is also going to lift up singleness and saying that it is a special gift. It is a special blessing for this moment. He will even, he'll say that. He'll say, not everyone can accept the idea of staying single. He says, this is not for everybody. He says, only those who have been helped to live without getting married can accept it. Jesus is saying, literally, only the people who are gifted with the spiritual gift of singleness can accept that. Now, some of you might be wondering, well, how do I know if if singleness is my gift? Uh, Well, a couple questions. One is, can you find satisfaction in your present life station? Can you look at your life right now and say, you know what? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Then then I would say you probably have the gift of singleness, at least for this moment. Maybe not forever, just because you have the gift of singleness now doesn't mean God isn't going to take it away and give you the gift of marriage later. But he says, you know, right now, if you can accept that, I would say it's a gift. And it's a gift that many people don't understand unless they are single. I remember running into this and, and having uh, a conversation with somebody in seminary. Uh, it, it, seminary, they put us all in these spiritual formation groups. So, you know, people you didn't know, you were all put together and you're supposed to, you know, get to know each other and pray for each other and help each other as you're preparing for ministry. And, and, and this was a good experience. Now, most of us in this group were like, you know, early 20s, mid 20s. Uh, most of us were married, but there was one gal who was a little bit older than the rest of us. She was probably, probably mid 30s and she was single and she'd been single, single. She'd never been married. And so I remember one time we were talking about depth of friendship and relationships, and, and she asked this question. She said, is, is the marriage relationship, is that a deeper friendship than other friendships. 
And the answer that, that I gave and everybody else that was married gave was, well, yes, it is. And it seemed to frustrate her and it seemed to hurt her because she's like, well, I've got really deep friendships with other people. Isn't that the same? And, and I thought about that for a while and, and after I was out of the group. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what? I can't speak to her situation. I, I don't know that. I think that's maybe part of what the gift of singleness is, is it allows her to have that kind of depth of relationship and friendship with people uh, that she knows. Whereas in the marriage relationship, at least in, in my marriage, I have that in my wife. But I guess what I'm getting at is we both can say it is as it should be. We both have the friendships and we both have the support network that we need to become the people God is calling us to be. We can embrace this moment. Henry Nouwen also was a uh, single man for his uh, entire life. Well, he was a Catholic priest, so that was kind of required. Um, but um, you can laugh about that. I mean, it's kind of it's it's funny. I mean, if you're offended, you just put it on the comment card. All right, because we read those. We take it to heart, depth. Only the anonymous ones. The anonymous ones are the ones we read. All right, sorry, here we go. All right, so here's what Nowen said about singles. He said, patience is a hard discipline. He said, it's not just waiting until something happens over which we have no control. The arrival of the bus, the end of the rain, the return of a friend, the resolution of a conflict. Patience is not waiting passivity until someone else does something. That's not what patience is. What is patience? Now one says this. Patience asks us to live the moment to the fullest, to be completely present to the moment, to taste the here and now, to be where we are. When we are impatient, we try to get away from where we are. We behave as if the real thing will happen tomorrow, later, somewhere else. Let's be patient and trust that the treasure we look for is hidden in the ground on which we stand. Let me read that last part one more time. Let's be patient and trust that the treasure we look for is hidden in the ground on which we stand. Friends, committed singleness, celibacy. Man, this is a difficult thing. It's a hard word in today's world. You know, we hear a lot, even in the church, that it's, you know, Genesis 2.18, it's not good for a man to be alone. That's true. That's why he made Eve. But marriage doesn't enter the picture until later. What God is calling us to is deep relationships, to be connected with each other in a way that is, is healthy and God-honoring. And let me tell you, we need those deep relationships. That's why we form community groups here. That's why we're asking folks to help us serve as leaders in these community groups, because we believe that we live in an increasingly connected yet disconnected society, and it's so important for us to form God-honoring deep friendships. It's important for, for our singles to live out their life with a commitment to God as a testimony to God's grace and humanity. In an oversexed culture like ours, we need people who are committed to this kind of life to say, you know what? I'm not an animal. I, I, I'm more than my urges. I'm more than the sum of my appetites. I can rise above this. I can live with self-control. I can surrender myself to God for his glory. It is as it should be. Uh, Eugene Peterson uh, talks about meeting a gal in his church. A woman started coming to his church, young woman, 
uh, who'd, who hadn't known Christ, hadn't gone to church, and, and she was living with some guy, and, and, and she was starting to learn more about Jesus Christ, and she was starting to learn more about what it meant to follow Jesus. Eventually, she was baptized, and, and she just couldn't quite kind of wrap her mind around this fact that maybe she and her boyfriend shouldn't be sleeping together. And, and so Eugene Peterson, he said, you know, listen, you've been coming here for a while. I can tell you really want to follow Jesus Christ. He said, let me, let me just challenge you with something. I think it's really important. And she said, what is it? And he said, I want you to try living a celibate life for the next six months. And she said, why would I do that? And he said, trust me, I think it's important. So this guy she'd been living with for, for a couple of years moved out before the, the week was over when she started this commitment. And she didn't tell Eugene Peterson about this the next time they met, the first month. It was two months went by, and she said this. She said, when you asked me to, to make that commitment, she said, I had no idea what you're up to. She said, you asked me to trust you, and so I did. She said, it's been two months, and I think I understand what you were doing. She said, I feel so free. I've never felt so myself before, never felt so at home with myself. I thought everybody did what I was doing. All my friends did. I just thought this was the American way. And now I'm noticing so many other things about my relations with others. They seem more clean. They seem more whole and so uncluttered. And you know what? She said, I think I might want to get married someday which is something she had said she didn't want before. Her decision survived six months. It went into a year, went into two years, and eventually she found a new man. They got married, uh, and Eugene Peterson blessed their marriage. But the truth is this, is that this young woman would have never found all that God had for her in her future if she hadn't been able to find the strength in that present moment to say, it is as it should be. It is as it should be, and to enter into and embrace a committed single life. And so that's the challenge this week, is that all of us would just embrace this idea that maybe where we are, it is as it should be. Now, I want to give you a challenge this week, because you, we're all going to feel challenged to be impatient. I know I will. It probably won't be the end of the day before I feel that way. It might just happen when you're trying to turn left out of the parking lot here. Can I get an amen? Try it, on, try it at 5 o'clock on a Thursday. Trust me, it's even worse then. It's going to happen. And we're going to find ourselves fighting in these moments where we're like, man, this isn't what I planned. Let's in those moments when we want to go up here, maybe we just stop and we say, all right, it is as it should be. And we embrace that and we say, God, what is it that you're saying to me right now? And for some of you, that might be like your life situation. Like you don't, you're not real happy with a whole lot of stuff right now. Maybe instead of fighting that, you say, you know what, it is as it should be. And you lean into that moment and you lean into God and you say, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me? I, I think, I really do think, and you can write a comment card next week, say this failed, it was a bad idea, uh, but I think if we try this this week and we really lean into it and we say, all right, I'm going to try it. When I feel frustrated, I'm going to say it is as it should be, and I'm going to say, God, what is it that you have for me in this moment? I think we'll be surprised by what God has to say.